Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope life is treating you good. We are on episode 101. Yes, that is right. We have crossed the century mark. So in fact, if you haven't already, definitely go back and listen to episode 100. It was a fun episode and uh, we had a lot of uh, fun things that we did in that. Also, we announced that we are doing a giveaway right now, all right? We're doing a giveaway just to uh, to celebrate the 100th episode. So if you want to know all about the uh, the giveaway, what we're going to be giving away, you can go over to thespeakerlab.com slash contest. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash contest. Now, I'll tell you that the deadline to enter this contest is October the 2nd, all right? So you got just a couple more days remaining. It's going to be Sunday, October the 2nd. So you're not going to want to miss out on this. You definitely go over to thespeakerlab.com slash contest where, uh, where you can see what you need to do. Uh, I'll tell you right now, the way you can win here is by just leaving us a rating or review on the podcast. That's all we're looking for. Okay, nothing fancy, nothing special. It's not going to take you a lot of work. It's literally going to take you about two minutes, all right? So leave us a, a rating and review. Again, that walks through uh, the speakerlab.com slash contest, exactly what you need to do. We're going to be giving away a coaching session with me. I don't take any one-on-one coaching clients, so this is a, a chance where uh, we could connect and help you in your business. Plus, we're going to be giving someone lifetime access to our brand new The Speaker Lab community. Now, this is a monthly program that we have where we are helping speakers uh, of all different stages. We are doing regular Q&A calls and case studies, and we have a private Facebook group where you can connect with other speakers. Just a place where you can get the, the feedback, community, and support that you need to build and grow your speaking business. So for one lucky winner, they are going to win lifetime access to the Speaker Lab community. So you definitely want to stop by, again, thespeakerlab.com slash contest to register for that. All right, so today we're going to be talking about speaking in colleges, and we're talking with my buddy Adam Carroll all about this. This is a guy that's got a lot of experience speaking in the college market. We get a lot of questions about how to uh, how to book speaking engagements in the college market. In fact, we did a recent podcast episode on that. But in this, we dig in a little bit more into it. With Adam, we talk about the different markets that exist within speaking to colleges. We talk about topics that colleges book speakers for. We talk about the various organizations and showcase opportunities that exist, as well as we talk about a simple trick to get decision makers on the phone. This was really, really clever, and I really liked it. So uh, you're definitely going to want to catch that part as well. So uh, without any further delay, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy, Adam Carroll. Enjoy. 
What's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hey, today we are joined by my buddy Adam Carroll, who is a uh, just a cool dude, and uh, excited to, to have him hang out with us today. He's been speaking for many, many years, and uh, had a chance to hang out with him a few times, and, and really like this guy. So, Adam, first of all, welcome, and uh, appreciate you hanging out with us. Why don't you give us kind of a high level view of uh, of what it is that you do with speaking, and uh, how speaking kind of fits into your business today? Oh wow! Well, first of all, Grant, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Another fellow handsome bald guy. There it is. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> speaking for me fits into my business in one main way, and that is I love to do it. So I want to do it as much as humanly possible. And 12 years ago, I had this crazy idea that I could go out and teach financial literacy in high schools and colleges. And since that time, I've been on about 650 college campuses. Uh, I've spoken at hundreds of leadership symposiums and countless local and regional events. I get to get up on stage and present to groups who've either never heard me or some have heard me, but every time it's a different message and and they walk away enthused and inspired. How did you get started with it? Because I think that's a, that's a big challenge for a lot of people is going, all right, I, you know, I've spoke a few times. It's a lot of fun. I want to do this. But how do you go from this would be fun to being on 650 college campuses? Two big factors got me started. Number one, when I was 26, I believe. I took a job with a division of monster.com and the company was called making it count yep. and making it count hired speakers that, Is that where we met. No, we didn't, but your name was brought up numerous times to me because of making it count. And, and if From you who? were, a, Oh gosh, like, uh, within making it count within making it count. That's funny. Yeah. Stephanie Ashpaw had talked about you. One of my best closest friends, uh, Chad Carden, was a speaker for making it count. Rick Coy. No, I never, I never did much with them though, but yeah, they helped me to get started. Still, and here was the deal with them, which I thought was kind of magical. You know, they would send you out to anywhere from freshmen in high school to freshmen or sophomores in college. I believe that I cut my teeth on audiences that were 14, 15, and 16 years old. Yeah. And you have never met a more apathetic bunch of human beings than 14-year-olds <laughs> at a motivational seminar about how to make high school count. They could not care less, right? Right, right. And so, in fact, I remember on one stage, I, I did something I thought was hilarious. And these kids, I could have lit myself on fire. And they were looking at me like, what else you got, dude? That's just not impressive. <laughs> And so I did that. I was an area manager for them. I got to speak to about 150,000 people in two years and various audiences, but mostly young people. And then 9-11 happened and I lost my job with them. Came back to Des Moines, Iowa. I had been in Denver, Colorado. And I met a guy who ended up becoming sort of a speaker mentor of mine. And this guy, his name was Rob Wilson. Rob was probably making five grand a talk, talking to pharmaceutical companies and uh, other sales organizations. He was mainly a sales speaker. And he's like, oh, you think you got chops, huh? I go, yeah, I do. And I have this cool topic about putting systems in your business. I had been an e-myth consultant for a while. He's like, well, I'll give you a shot. And he teed me up to one of his clients. I think he paid me, it was like $500. He kept a quarter of it. You know, but it was the best 375 bucks I'd ever made. And afterwards, I go, well, what did you think? And he said, you're a thousand dollar speaker right now, no question. Wow. And just having someone say that was like validation for me that I could go do it. And then he taught me the ropes of how to market and promote and go network and, you know, be in the right places that they're looking for speakers like me. 
How much do you feel like even that that gig where you got where you got kind of that validation and, and having someone say that you could be a thousand dollar speaker? How much of that came from just you felt like you'd done a lot up to that point that made you good, that you were naturally good, that you'd spent just tons of hours practicing that he and nobody else saw? Like, how do you feel like what made that first session so good that that gave him the reason to give you that kind of validation? I love this question because I think it speaks to people who are getting started. They're like, I'm just not sure I'm good enough to be out there and so on and so forth. I think it boils down to two things. Number one is content. And I had solid, solid content. I mean, I learned from, I learned from Michael Gerber, who wrote one of the best-selling small business books of all time. I knew his stuff enough that I could state most of the passages from his book at a moment's notice. You know, it was just like, it was natural for me. So I think knowing your content inside out is critical. And then I think delivery is important and delivery is different for different people. For me, I have somewhat of a sarcastic delivery style. I mean, you and I, I think are actually very similar in speaking style. I like to be sarcastic on stage. I like to tell jokes. When I get serious, I change inflection and timing. And I, you know, really make sure that points are noted, that they're different. And this is important. I do a lot of energizers throughout my talk. Mm -hmm. So I'll say things like, are you guys all with me? Because some of you are looking at me like I just took a bunch of Amish kids into Best Buy for the first time. (laughs) And, and, you know, people don't know what to think. And afterwards they come up to me and they're like, I was captivated. I have no idea why. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's part of the magic. It's in the delivery, I think. So it's content and delivery. Gotcha. So, okay. So at that point you're intrigued by this thing. Like, how are you, how do you go from there? You get a pat on the back and, and 375 bucks to yep. becoming a, a full-time speaker. So got a pat on the back, 375, started booking a few more like rotaries and Kiwanis clubs and that kind of stuff for, you know, a $200 honorarium. And, but, but I was, I was sort of cutting my teeth and, and figuring out what material really resonated and at one point, somebody said, oh, you need to go to NACA, the National Association for Campus Activities. Mm-hmm. And this is where you know they have regional events and a national event. And we happened to go down to Dallas, Texas for this NACA event. And I think it was $3,000 to buy a booth. And it was a grand to become an associate member. And I felt like I was just getting fleeced left and right. right. And everybody's like, oh, no, dude, you'll get so many bookings. It's not even funny. So we go down there. We set up a booth. We talked to hundreds upon hundreds of students. And ultimately, and I apologize for my language here, but it was a big grab ass session. The students all went down there to flirt and hang out and drink and, and, you know, get dates. And uh, we left and we had not one booking. And I came back from that. And I was like, I am never going to pay to market myself again. All I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself in areas where I know that there are people there who can hire me. Yeah. And so I went after the associations and I went after, you know, various trade groups. And then I realized that fraternities and sp- especially business fraternities meet on a very regular basis. Like there's a business fraternity that I've been a part of for about 10 years. They meet eight times every semester in regions. And at each one of those regional meetings, there might be 400 students in attendance. So I started thinking, well, if I could go knock it out of the park at those events, won't those students turn around and hire me if I give them a very simplified way of doing that? And that's what I did. And it ended up booking me. I mean, dude, I was doing 50 a year with not without even breaking a sweat out doing that strategy. How long did it take you to go from that first one to 50 a year? 
I did the first regional event and it was kind of funny. I did the event. I did it on my normal topic, which is winning the money game, which is based on the book that I wrote. And uh, they loved it. And the woman who was leading the event came up and she said, wow, that was great. And you really connected with the students. What else do you have? And so I asked the most logical question, what else do you need? Do you need? Yep. <laughs> and she goes, gosh, we need one on networking and time management, and communication and social media would be great. And I go, you know what? I have all of those. So why don't you just book me for every one of those at the next event? So of course, the next thing I did was I went back to my office and frantically created content <laughs> like a Batman. And I made five programs that I went and delivered at the next regional events. And she hired me for three of them that semester and then three the next semester. And out of each one of those, I was getting somewhere between 15 and 25 strong interest forms from students in the, in the audience. Wow. And out of those 15 to 25, about six to seven of them would book off of each one. Wow. And it just, you know, steadily grew from there. So I would say from go, I probably did 15 or 20, you know, year one, if you want to call year one, the first year I did that. And then from there, it just, it kept going up and up and up. And what did you say that that association was where that first kind of started? The organization that I'm a part of is Delta Sigma Pi, which is an international business fraternity, but there's a bunch out there. You could go to Pi Kappa Epsilon or, or uh, Alpha Kappa Psi. I mean, they're everywhere. And whether it's a business fraternity or social fraternities, most of them are organized in this fashion. So for speakers that want to get started, go out there, put your best foot forward doing a regional event, and then show the students how easy it is to book you. Gotcha. And so you mentioned also that you had, there's some type of interest form that you used at the end there. What was, what was that like? How did you use that? So the strong interest form is, was basically my way of, of uh, grabbing information from the, the attendees. And basically it said, list your school, your name, address, email, phone number, what's your dean's name? Because I found that contacting the dean afterwards and just saying, hey, I met some of your students. They're really great people. I just wanted to you know, applaud you and appreciate you for what you're doing with them. And they go, where, wait, where, who is this? And where did you see them? Right. And I'd say, oh, is it this international business fraternity? And they were very well represented and all, you know, polished and great communicators. And I just appreciate that. And then they'd go, well, who are you? And I'd say, I was one of the presenters. I just wanted to call and, you know, appreciate you for what you're doing for those students. And, and then I would generally add on to that. By the way, some of your students inquired about having me in to speak. So don't be surprised if they come flood your office with some requests. And then I'd say, I'm happy to send a book or whatever your way. Uh, just so you can begin thinking about that if they come in, you know, and ask about me. So that strong interest form was was basically my lead gen tool. And then I'd come home. And at first, for the first two years, I was calling all those students. And then it got to a point where I had so many. And, and candidly, you know, from a time perspective, it was better to have someone else do it. Mm-hmm. I hired an assistant that would smile and dial and build relationships and be like, well, Adam would love to chat with you at some point. Um, are you open to setting up a time to visit with him? He's got a super busy schedule, but I can squeeze you in on Friday morning. Yeah. And then we'd talk to him and I'd make the student feel like a rock star and tell him we're going to spend time together when I'm on campus and I want to coach him. And you know, now that you've hired me, you're in my inner circle and all that stuff. And they, they ate it up. And to date, you know, honestly, Grant, some of those students have become great friends of mine. Right, right. It's funny you mentioned that. I, uh, you and I, um, 
you know, we've crossed paths a couple of times because I've, I've gone to speak several times up in, at Iowa State University. And I remember one student that I met several years ago, did, a dude that has had a successful college blog. And we've kind of just stayed in touch over the years and have crossed paths many times. And you're right that several times you can meet people that just, um, uh, you know, that recommend you or refer you in some way that you you build kind of this lifelong friendship with them. And so that can that can really be effective. So let's talk more about the, the college aspect. This is a, a market that a lot of people are interested in and intrigued by, but it feels a bit daunting. So when people ask you, Adam, how do I get booked to speak at colleges? Where do you even go with that? Well, you know, typically what I'm going to ask them is what is your, what's your sweet spot topic? What do you love to talk about? And we'll narrow it down to generally two or three categories. I found that when you're booking on a college campus, they do want some options, you know, to go in and say, I do this. Well, we don't really need that. But to go in and say, here's a handful of topics that I can offer you. And all of them are great as keynotes or workshops or however you want me to do them. They have a a little bit of a say in, in which one to do. And certainly, you know, I'll offer up sometimes, oh, I'm happy to customize some of this for you if you like. So I think identifying what your topics are. Number two, having a really thoroughly and well-written description of the session. So borrow from some of the copywriting books and really soup up what the description is and what the takeaways are and all of that. And then I think, you know, the, the natural way to go is to have a really well put together and designed one sheet. And if you have a website, great. If you don't, I don't think you absolutely need it to get started, but it definitely helps because it adds credibility. But I think at that college level, they want to know where have you been before? So what other schools have you presented to? What's your background? Sometimes they want your pedigree, like what's your degree in, which I think is funny because two weekends ago, I taught a bunch of PhDs, emotional intelligence. (laughs) uh, You know, I cheated for three years to get a four-year degree. So... (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's just funny that way. I think right. once you figure out the in on a college campus, you're in. And, and the magic of college and that as an audience grant is that there's probably 15 doors in to a college campus. Whereas in a company, you're like, oh, I can, the HR person's going to hire me generally or the VP of sales. At a college, Greek life director, res life director, the campus activities person, the dean of the business school. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Every one of those has their own budget that they can bring in speakers. And so whenever you are figuring out what you want to talk about, so let's say, for example, okay, I want to speak on college campuses about diversity. And that's a topic that a lot of college campuses are interested in. So yep. what, like, where would I even know? Like, I, I guess two questions. One, like, how do I know what topics are going to be relevant and interesting for a college audience? Because I know diversity is a, a popular one in that market, but it may not be in other markets. Yep. Uh, but then also, if I wanted to speak about, let's say, diversity... Who would I like? Do I go to the res life director or the student life or orientation or like where would I know where to go that would be interested in that in my particular topic? I generally would start with campus activities because those folks are responsible for creating all the programming that's happening on campus so that students are engaged. So I would I would always start there. And typically that could be just a phone call. And these folks get inundated with calls and emails, by the way. So you do have to stand out in some way to reach these folks. But calling them up and just saying, hey, uh, diversity is a huge hot topic on campuses today. I'm just curious, what are you guys doing from a programming perspective in the way of diversity? And they'll go, well, what exactly do you mean? Because we have diversity programs about race and we have some religious speakers that come in and we have some on disability. 
And so long as you know, you know exactly what you're going to, I think, and you've defined it, just have a conversation with them. I think residence life is a big one because RAs, resident assistants, are all getting training and they need training in diversity and they need training in conflict management, conflict resolution. So it's, it's really about finding your, your sweet spot talk and then figuring out where is that need on a college campus. And if you're in tune at all with the college campus life, there's a need for almost everything out there. I mean, if you're great at networking, you can get hired on every college campus. If you're great at career planning or finding your passion, you can get hired on any college campus. There's a guy by the name of, he's the dating doctor, David Coleman. Okay. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, I've heard the name dating doctor. And I know there's a couple of people that talk about dating on, in the college world. Yeah. So David Coleman was the dating doctor and he was super popular 10 years ago on college campuses. I think he's still doing it, but he's doing a lot of more. I think he's licensed his, his talk. Gotcha. Now, David was like a 45 year old guy who'd been divorced at least once, maybe twice. I can't remember, but I remember hearing his talk and I'm like, this is so incongruent. He's talking about dating on a college campus and relationships being successful. And yet he hasn't had successful relationships to date. The slides he was using were kind of outdated PowerPoint and, and that kind of thing, but he was making $7,500 a talk. Hmm. I was blown away by it. And it just goes to show that if you have a great talk and it's engaging and it was comedic, I mean, the whole thing was comedic Yeah. because he would have this thing about what's the best pickup line you've ever heard. And people are shouting it out and he's, he's giving them back to the audience. And then he has a whole list of his own and the, the students ate it up. Right. But I think in today's day and age, I mean, be a different talk for sure. Cause now there is no dating. It's just Tinder, but you could have a talk on that and how Tinder has changed dating and what it means in the college environment. So whenever you would identify who some of those potential decision makers would be, would that, would your next step be an email, a phone call? What did that look like? You know, again, when I started, it was probably email. And then I realized that these folks are getting inundated and a phone call, a well-placed phone call was actually better. And when I would call in, generally I would say, you know, if you were, let's say you're the residence life director grant, I would call in and I'd say, Mr. Ballard, my name is Adam Carroll. I was wondering if I could get your help on something real quick. Okay, go on. Cool. Yeah, I'm a, a, a professional speaker, a presenter in the college market. I'm working on a program around networking and finding your dream job. And I was wondering if I could just ask you a couple of questions about that and your experience in that realm, given that you're the Res Life Director at Iowa State. And generally, they're going to be like, well, yeah, I have a couple minutes. And I'll say, I promise it won't take more than two or three. And then I'd ask them two pointed questions about what do you think is the biggest pitfall for students? in finding a job at Iowa State when they leave Iowa State or, or even when they're a student. Yeah. And he'd give me some answer. And I'd say, if you could fix that one problem, how would you fix it? And they would give me some other answer. And I'd say, just food for thought. I do a program and I'm about to roll this out nationally. I'd like to offer it at a local level. And I'm about 30 minutes away from your school. But I'd love to, to offer this at a local level. And, and I'm actually doing a discounted rate because I'm honing this material. But before I launch it nationally, I'd like to try it there. Are you open to that? Hmm. And they would go, well, I don't tell them how much, how much is this? And I go, well, normally it's five grand, but I'm local. So I would come up and do that for 2,500. And oh, by the way, I do this really cool thing afterwards where I collect names and we do this thing. And, you know, within six months, they'll get a, a letter back, you know, that's mailed from my office. They'll be blown away by it. They, they generally went, 
oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. What, what, tell me dates and schedule. And I tended not to go right for the pitch. Yeah. You need this program. Here's why, here's how much it is. But instead be more consultative in the process and say, I'm working on this thing. I'd like your feedback because I know you've been in this business probably for a while, or I read on your LinkedIn profile or whatever, right? I'm going to do a little research ahead of time and then lay out the program that I had in mind. And generally they'd bite on it. Interesting. And so it was just basically that on scale, just multiplied out of, I'm just continuing to, to find who I think is the go-to director or contact in this department at XYZ schools. Were there, was there any way to figure out, because um, you and I both know that there's there's some schools that are going to have more of a budget than others. So th- were you finding any differences between public schools, private schools, big schools, small schools? Any, any thoughts on that? I tend to prefer state schools. And the only reason for that is I found that I was getting much larger audiences at state schools. Mm-hmm. I could tell a campus activity director, um, here's the program. And, and I've, this may be 202 grant, but, but I've created, you know, a full on marketing kit for the money game. So when you book the money game, you're getting posters to hang up on campus. You're getting emails that are pre-written that you send out through the PR office or through the Dean's office. We've got newspaper articles that go in the student newspaper. So everything that needed to be done to fill an auditorium, I'd done. And we would get four or five, 600 people to show up for these events. And the deans and the activity directors were blown away because they're like, I can't believe this many students would show up for, for a money program on a Thursday night. Yeah. And it, what it did was it created, and you know this because you've been repeat booked over and over and over again is they go, wow, there's tremendous value in this guy coming in. Can we book you next semester or next year? Do you have anything else that you talk about? Mm. And then I learned after the fact that if I'm there for an hour, well, hey, since I'm there and I have this great program about engaging employees, why don't we bring the staff, the financial aid staff and the registrar's office, let's bring them all together for a two-hour workshop. And um, you know, it doesn't increase my fee that much but you have me for the full day. Let's just take advantage of it. Gotcha. So I'd be in upselling, you know, more and more training. Right. Right. And again, like, like you mentioned before, as long as you're there, there's a lot of opportunities and options there on campus. And I've, I've had the same experience where, you know, a college would hire me and they're like, Hey, we know that a totally different department is interested in a speaker, uh, you know, on this topic. Is that something you could do? Cool. Cause we're going to split the cost with them. And you're going to do one talk for them and one talk for us and same school, but totally different audiences, totally different departments. Uh, yep. but can, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities that exist there. So what are some of you said, I know you speak about money. We've talked, we've kind of touched real quick on a couple other potential topics. What do you see as some of the more common topics that are being booked on, on college campuses? Oh, let's see. So the most common, you know, today, in today's day and age, money is a hot topic because all these students are graduating with tens of thousands of dollars in debt and uh, don't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah. So money's important. Networking is a huge one. I have found that most students spend the fo- their, their four-year break from reality, which is college, on the two-mile square campus that is their college campus instead of branching out and networking with people in the community. So networking is a huge one. You know, time management or study skills is a big one. It's kind of a snoozer topic unless you know how to really soup it up. But but that's an important one. Diversity, you mentioned, which is huge. I mean, in all reality, most college campuses have a diversity budget specifically for that purpose. Mm-hmm. So if you're a diversity speaker, it's pretty much, I mean, you, that's a golden path. Yeah. I think that 
let me think through a couple others that I've seen leader, certainly leadership, you know, pursuing your passion, those kinds of things, figuring out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. Those are big ones. I mean, it, God, the list goes on and on. You'd be amazed what kind of speakers they're bringing in. Right. I mean, a, my documentary partner is on a trek climbing 75, 14,000 foot mountains in 75 days. Wow. He could get booked on college campuses talking about his voyage and people would probably come just to hear the stories and the, you know, the, the strategy and how he did it and how he paid for it. And the fact that he lived in his Prius and all that, you know, right. right. Interesting. Uh, one of the things that you touched on earlier was that, so you went to which conference, APCA or NACA? I went to NACA. Okay. So yep. that those are APCA, NACA, NOTA. Those are some common, especially APCA and NACA, at least in the college activities, campus activities world, those are pretty common groups. So your experience with them was not so positive in terms of just purely getting bookings? Correct. And, and I would say that was NACA primarily. I've heard people talk at great length about how awesome APCA is. APCA is a little bit smaller scale, probably smaller schools. NACA is more like the national level state, you know, nationally recognized state schools, basically. Mm -hmm. Whereas APCA is a little more regional, smaller schools, perhaps. NOTA is the National Orientation Directors Association. And this is a big one. I've known speakers who have made their entire annual income just in orientation season. Right, right. And orientation season is like August, September, October, and primarily August and September. But, you know, you could get booked 40 times a month in two months and have a full year worth of revenue if you do orientation right. And, and I know people who are, they're great orientation speakers. And the whole idea is I'm going to get these kids so fired up, they won't even be able to get their feet on the ground. Right, right. Interesting. So NACA was so-so for you. You haven't done APCA before. Would you recommend that speakers in the college market look into some of those uh, those paid showcase opportunities? I think the showcases were the, the people who did the showcases were the people who got booked. Okay. And the challenge with that, you know, obviously is the cost. If you're just getting started, there is a, there's an investment in doing a showcase. And if you flop, you just basically, you know, soiled yourself with money. Yeah. I think you're better off having a really polished professional talk and going and doing it or just going to NOTA and networking. Right. You know, I mean, I think there's probably just as much power in being, a registered attendee and networking with every single person you can, keeping their business card and following up with them afterwards. Got it. All right. Hey, I want to wrap up with this and I didn't even prep you for this. So buckle up. So I want to ask you, uh, I, I like asking speakers this who have done a lot of speaking. We ask this from time to time on the show, but I want you to tell us about a time where it couldn't be worse than this. All right. So what is a time <laughs> where either the talk bombed, something weird happened in the environment, the client was totally bizarre. I assume you've got some stories of a, of a time where it couldn't be worse than this. What, what do you oh, got for maybe. So this was when I was working for making it count <clears throat> and they would send uh, but, All right, before you do it, this is all cracks me up. Cause literally we did not talk about this, but like any speaker yeah. you ask them, like, tell me the story. And we all have a, several of them queued up. So. <laughs> all right, go ahead. What do you got? So this one was, um, they sent me to New York and it was like the state university of New York in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere. And I'm up there. I have no clue where I'm at, but it was, a it was a state college of some kind. <clears throat> and it was an orientation talk. I get there and there's no lie grant. There's 1200 students in like a field house kind of setting. So 
anyone who's spoken at, at a high school or field house kind of said it, you know, the, the gym is the worst it's possible. Horrible, place. horrible. And so I walk in, all the students are sitting there slumped down in their chairs. They're bored out of their minds. And I said to the woman who was my handler from the organization, how long have they been in here? And she said, well, this is our three. We have one more speaker and then you, and you're, you're ending it. <laughs> And, and I go, okay, have you given them a break? Have they gotten up? And no. In fact, we lock the doors because we're afraid if they leave to go to the bathroom, they won't come back. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, Jesus. So thanks for setting me up for success though. I appreciate that. Right. And, and so the woman before me gets up on stage and God bless her. She was this probably 60 year old kind of frail woman. She was the health director for the university and she got up. And her topic was about venereal disease on campus. <laughs> <laughs> and she, they told me that she had like seven minutes to give her VD announcement. And she went on for 15 minutes straight about the perils of venereal disease and <laughs> how to avoid it on campus. So I get up there and, and they go, hey, by the way, I know you wanted 45 minutes. You have 32 minutes. So get it done. And making an account was like scripted and structured. And there was a, there was a workbook. And everybody had to go through the workbook. I get up there and I go, I got 32 minutes to give you 45 minutes worth of stuff. I'm going to go Mach 10 with my hair on fire. And I promise you one thing, I will be just a tad more exciting than the venereal disease lady. <laughs> you said that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and at that point, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to throw it all out. And I blazed through, I skipped stories. I did a couple of exercises that I just knew would get them up off their feet and laughing. But I blazed through 45 minutes and about 28. And I was like, oh, and I got four minutes to spare. You guys have a great day. Go use the bathrooms. And they all, you know, split immediately. And at making account, you were supposed to collect all the workbooks, the feedback forms. I think I got 75 feedback forms out of 1,200. That's funny. So, but it was a great, you know, they're all learning opportunities. Those type of talks that make you a, a better speaker and force you to, uh, to to break out of your comfort zone for sure. So, hey, real quick to wrap up, I know that you you kind of just mentioned in passing that you've got a documentary that you guys have just released. Why don't you tell us about that and where, where we can find it? Yeah, you bet, Grant. We crowdfunded a documentary project in 2014 on student loan debt, and the documentary is called Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. Uh, We raised $67,000 in 45 days to shoot the film, and we launched it in January of 2016, and we are in talks with a number of broadcast organizations now about licensing the film and getting it out there. But if you want to see it, you can go to brokebusteddisgusted.com and either download or stream the movie, and it will soon be out there on Netflix and iTunes and Hulu and everywhere else. So we're very excited about it. We've got probably a third of the high schools in my home state of Iowa are showing it, using it as part of their curriculum. Very cool. Uh, working on the rest. So yeah, it's a, it's a passion project of ours for sure. Nice man. And if people want to find out more about you, check out the, the speaking stuff that you have, where can we go? You can find me at adamspeaks.com and a new site that's coming online here in the next few weeks is moneysavvy.com. So Adam, the speaking stuff, money savvy is all the money content I talk about. Beautiful. Well, brother, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Dude, thanks, Grant. I appreciate the show and all you do to help speakers out there get better. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Adam Carroll. Lots of great wisdom about speaking in the college market, right? I know a lot of you were interested in that, so uh, I hope that was helpful for you. 
hey, as always, if you do have uh, additional questions or you just want further clarification on something, definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com. Every single episode, we leave our, our show notes up there. We have comments from people who are asking questions or just chiming in or just saying like, hey, I really enjoyed that episode. Or you just want to say thanks to Adam for what uh, what he shared. You can definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com. Go to the show notes page for this episode and uh, let us know what you thought. And always, uh, if you got questions, if you got anything that we can help you with in your business, feel free to let us know anytime. If you got a question you'd like to have answered on the podcast, you can have that done as well by going over to uh, thespeakerlab.com, going to Ask Grant right at the top of the page there. Now, one final thing, let me remind you, I mentioned at the top of the episode, we are doing a, a giveaway, a huge giveaway at the moment for the 100th episode of the podcast. So uh, if you want all the details on that, you can go over to thespeakerlab.com slash contest. I'll give you the quick nutshell. What we are giving away, we're giving away a coaching session with me, a one-on-one coaching session with me. I don't take on any one-on-one coaching clients. So this, if you're looking for some feedback from me personally, this is the chance for you to get in on that. All right. And then also we are giving someone lifetime access to our brand new, the Speaker Lab community. This is an online program where we are providing the the support, the training that you need to build and grow your speaking business. So this is brand new. We just rolled it out, just introduced it, but you can get all all the details again for that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash contest. All you literally have to do to enter is to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. All right, super simple. Leave us a rating and review, subscribe to the podcast, and that will enter you into the drawing there uh, for these giveaways. All right, I think that wraps up episode 101. We'll catch you next time, my friend. You're awesome. Awesome.